Parents Pod. Welcome to Pet Parents Pod, the podcast for and by pet parents. I'm Danielle. I'm Heath. I'm Kip. And today on Pet Parents Pod, we go to the movies again. Yay! In honor of our 101 episodes, we're... Guess what movie we watched. Yeah, you'll never guess it. Really obvious when we say that it's the hundred and first episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. And by the way, I thought of this months ago. I'm like, guys, <laughs> in three months we will hit our hundredth and one. Don't worry about the hundredth episode. I don't have anything yeah, for no, it. We got nothing for it. They figured it out. We we lucked into a good episode. It's an animal podcast. Of course we have to make the hundred one special. A hundred and one donation. Also, uh-huh. I don't remember you telling me that we were gonna do this months ago. Oh I do. Mm, mm, you guys, this is this is why you guys uh, run the podcast. And I don't. <laughs> I am producer Dan. Yep. Sound editor, researcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keith is so in charge of our social talent that we need. I'm the, I'm the comedian. You're, you're yes. the talent. I'm the comic relief. You're the talent. Yeah. I'm the jester. I'm the court jester. And Heath is our uh, social media yeah. advisor. Oh, you are, and the and the web admin. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You should be getting paid more. Oh, none of us really get paid. Web administration this, is... This is a labor of love. And this episode, we're laboring in my love, animation. But, you know, tell your loved ones that love animals about Pet Parents Pod. And, uh, you know, they can always uh, sign up with BarkBox. Look out for our uh, promotions. We're an affiliate. Yeah. We also yep. have a Patreon. Yeah, okay. we do also have a Patreon. Yep. Okay, I just then. didn't mention it because the main way that we make any money lately is the BarkBox affiliation. Yes. Thank you to all our... Patriots. Yes. No, we have seven million. It shows you how many we have. We need to go in there. We need to go in there. It shows you how many we have. Manifest destiny. That's oh, this is okay. where oh. we're Christians, and we need to take over the podcast. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> manifest destiny. None of us are. I, no. I thought, are you doing that? Like, what is it? If I say I have it, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever that, that is. Whole, you're trying to manifest that it just by saying it. it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we've if got you say it, Patriots. Okay, so we don't. I feel like if that was true, we could work less than we do, but that's just Mm. not true, so. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, we appreciate April. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Our number one fan. If if you want to throw a few dollars a month our way, that would be very much appreciated. It adds up. It does. Yes. A hundred pennies is a dollar. I mean, a we, over a dollar. We appreciate oh, yeah, when, it like, it is a dollar. Yeah, sorry. I, I it's, it's not minutes. It's not minutes. A dollar is a hundred. I knew exactly what you were saying, though. I'm like, it's not seconds, but nope. Oh. Nope. So, 101 Dalmatians. Um, do one of you guys want to give the summary? Because I'm going to talk most of the episode. So, if we're going to once. If you haven't was, seen it, you should go watch it. Yes, if you somehow all. haven't yes. seen the movie from 1961. Yep, the animated film. Yeah, that's the good one. There's yep. going to be spoilers? Spoiler alerts. In this. It's based off of a book. It is based off of a book. Yep. I have notes about you know that. that. <laughs> that was a fact that I pulled out of my ass that was okay. true. The one. Kip, Kip and Heath give the summary of the movie. Named Pongo. Uh huh. And Pongo had a pet named. Roger. Ginger. Good. Okay, Roger. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank Continue. You. I would have never remembered that factoid. Mm-hmm. And Pongo decided that he was tired of living the bachelor life. Mm-hmm. So he was going to do something about it. To be fair, it. Roger's house is. It's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's flat. He, it yeah. was a bachelor's. Flat in the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
this takes place in England, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I did not know, nor did I care about. You don't remember the double-decker buses and the, like, visuals? Did not care as a child. Okay. The last time I saw this film, I was Oh, yeah, I didn't I care as a child. Five. It, it I was, was very old. clearly London. Yeah. Uh, any subsequent iterations of the film I have seen as they have come out, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen the animation proper. Okay, continue with the summary. So, they're in England. Uh-huh. Pongo's like, I need to find a couple of hoes uh-huh. to set us straight. Great. So Pongo looks, and he, the, 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 I loved, that was probably my favorite part of the movie, was when he's scoping out all the hot babes that are walking mm-hmm. by with their matching dogs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> I love that. That's pretty cute. And, of course, he comes across... Uh, darling, what's her name again? Anita. <laughs> Anita. And Anita's um, the person. Is the person. Bing bong. Uh, Perdita. 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 Anita and Perdita. Which that's ridiculous <gasps> and cute. Too cutesy. It's very, very cutesy. It's like I. It's like it's like I'm Kip and I named my dog Blip. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> oh, that should be your next dog. Oh, it has little to be Blip. Little Blip. I'm Blip Kip, and Kip and this is Blip. That would be adorable. It's actually a really good name for a cat. Yeah. It is a good like. Blip and dip. Nope. Blip and dip. Um, <laughs> anyway. So, he, so, he's like, those are the hottest babes in the land. So he's like, so It's not right. going to get any more perfect than this. Yes. It's another Dalmatian it's, and the human, from what I can tell based on magazines, by the way. Yes. Because he doesn't, he's a dog. He doesn't know what human beauty is. And, yes. You know, so he's basing it on magazines. Yeah. That, which I thought was precious. It's fair. Yeah. He was like, this, this is a fine specimen for my pet. Roger. Yeah. So she does look like the women on the magazines. Yep. Yeah. So Pongo goes off. He's like, we got to go take a walk. So he's barking at him. He's like, take me for a walk. They go down to the park and he's like tracking her down. And it's a really cute little scenario where they're like bump. He's like really try. He thought that they, he lost her. Which yeah. is like the suspense. You and know? then they're like, uh, Anita's reading on a park bench and pretty just sitting there. Yeah. Lightly. Yeah. Very politely. And then Pongo directs him past them and then off to, like, the bank of the lake or whatever. And then, you know, he's, like, doing shenanigans to try to get their attention and all that. Mm-hmm. And then finally she, she like, gets up because I think he, like, knocked Roger into the lake or something. Uh, yeah, he hadn't he done that yet. stole his hat. Yeah, he stole his hat. He stole his hat. He's being a rascal. He yeah. was trying to and bring Roger to her and, like, be cutesy. Yeah. One of them like, wasn't into cute. it, so they were leaving. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Perdita was like, this is too much. We have to leave. I suspect Anita wasn't into Anita it. Anita was also, they know. probably both were like, this is And ridiculous. then Pongo's like, I'm gonna hunt these bitches down. They look down. like a project, goodbye. <laughs> I'm gonna hunt them. Um, these, these two are clearly below our class. Um, mm-hmm. And then Pongo ends up wrapping them together with that's the leash, the and pond. that's when they fall into the lake, and then she's mad, yeah. he's mad, everyone's mad, Perdita's like, what the heck, and then and then they fall in love. Yeah, then they have a meet Roger and yeah. Anita start laughing, and they bond. Mm-hmm. Because they both try to hand each other wet, like, sh- she's like, oh no, my handkerchief's wet, he's like, no, use mine, and he has a bigger wet handkerchief, <laughs> and then they just handkerchief. look at each other like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> You want to go get coffee, soaky you want wet. Some coffee. They didn't actually ask the coffee. They no. uh, they did a time skip where they're already. I think they're already married, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you have the scene of the church and yeah. them married. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The little montage. They're already married. Yeah. They're and already Pongo living together. And Perdita stood by the window and also by they got virtue married. of the 
Like, they got proxy married. Yeah, they so got then, dog married. There didn't no. seem to be any people at this wedding. I mean, I you can only see no. a sliver, but, like, it seems like a pretty small I, ceremony. I assume um, Anita and Roger are just orphans, orphans who there have no... Little British because orphans. Because also, Anita's best friend is the main villain of this film. Oh, That's yeah, I true. totally forgot. Because Corella is true. her friend from her college. Friend from college, yep. And her dogs have puppies, and then Corella comes to visit, and she's like, Corella! And Roger's like, I hate you. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I want to mention, and that's the fact, that Disney did not draw Perdita pregnant. They only implied that she was pregnant, but if you look at her, and she, like, scoots under the the stove to get away from Cruella, she doesn't have a pregnant belly. She's, like, barely pregnant at that point. I I don't know how they would know. know Because, like, Cruella came over and was like, where's the babies? I will point out something about this film that's a lot different from other films Mm -hmm. of the time period. It was made in the 60s. Um, It's actually commented upon is the fact that the humans and the dogs are very affectionate to each other, like holding each other, mm. dancing close, like nose yeah. to nose. Yeah. That that was a little unconventional for the time period, because we're talking about the 60s here. Right. And this is a kid's animation. Yeah. Right. <gasps> so risque. A right. very loving Because think about, like, the past Disney films, a peck on an unconscious body. That's all you get for That's romance. All you get. Which is not okay. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's There's also no consent. Yes. statutory. Yeah. Well, yes, uh, but <laughs> continue with your summary. Chargeable. Uh, it's just something I pointed out. Yeah. It's just you know, you know, ancient misogyny. That's all. Um, it struck me because I recently heard a uh, politician ask someone if you could swallow a camera and get a picture of a baby in a uterus, and that really upset me. <laughs> Wait. From what state? Um, which oh, southern no, state? I don't remember which he, he does know there's a stomach that's no. not... No. no, he clearly doesn't. No. They're just in the same general area. No, he clearly cavity. does not know That's that. why they get acid reflux, <laughs> because the, the cavity... Well, no, he said, he was like, can, his first question was, can you swallow a camera to get images of the intestine to substitute a colonoscopy. And they were like, yes, you can do that. You can swallow the camera and you can get that, get those yes. images without that's actually That's a digestive tract. Thing. That's not yeah. the same And so thing he was like, well, then, the in, in the same track, then, could you not swallow a camera and then get a picture of a baby? No, because no, that's fine. a different and they were track. Like, they were like, absolutely. Have you been to school? Oh, no, he didn't take anatomy. <laughs> Because that's a different track with different tubes. Your tubes are all connected. That's like a five-year-old's logic of a body. You know he's unfortunately had sex with a woman before. Anyway, okay, so moving on. One politician said you could put, uh, if you put too many soldiers on an island, it would flip the island over. My episode. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, um... Dogs right. get pregnant. Corella yes. comes, thinks, where are their beautiful coats? Mm. Because I think Dalmatians would make a beautiful coat. And he was like, that's a weird comment. Because he is super, a true monster. <laughs> and then she's just happy for us, Roger. And Roger's like, she's evil. And then... Roger's actually a musician, so he writes the Cruella de Vil song. Yes. Yes. They have that. puppies. Yes, they have puppies. Puppies don't have spots. Puppies don't have spots. Uh, yes. Ugly rats. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, and then she goes all hyperbolic and she's like, drown them. I don't care what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I need those coats. That was like later after she stole a bunch of puppies. Also, I really hate Lucky. 
And I also really hate the chubby one. Rolly? Okay, I hate Rolly so much. <laughs> okay. All right, so eventually Corella has the puppies kidnapped mm-hmm. after they have their spots. Uh, and, you know, Rolly has a personality, and Lucky has a personality at that point. Apparently Kip hates them. Yes, I hate them. I hate their personality. They they are excessive with Rolly. It does annoy Rolly me. Rolly is just like, I'm hungry, and that's his entire yes. personality. And that's offensive to us. Fat and he's people. also like, <laughs> yes, it is really annoying. And he also, like, gets in the way all of the time. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, you're telling me none of the other puppies are clumsy? Well, it's like, he's also dumb. They made yeah. him fat and dumb, which they, is like a stereotype did. at the time. There are, there are dumb it's puppies. The it's the 60s. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm not I excusing am. the behavior. I'm just saying it is the 60s. Continue, though, yes. with your summary. So anyway, um, so all of those puppies are kidnapped, as well as uh, what, like a, t- a ton of others. Some of them are bought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they're bought from pet stores so that there's 99 puppies at all. How did she find all these? Dalmatians are hard to find in general. Maybe they're seen. more I think I've only common. seen like one Dalmatian. I don't know if life. they were more common in the 60s in London. I don't, I don't know. They could have been. Not. Probably yeah. not realistic, actually. No. I mean, the main reason the Dalmatians are the main character is the book author had Dalmatians. Right. And that's why they're the main character in her book. Um, but continue. Oh, can we go back? Oh, hold on. I have to fucking comment. We're going back, guys. Oh, this is a summary. We can get into this. Yeah. Never mind. Oh, never mind. Moving forward. Sorry. We'll no, come back is, to this it. This is commentary. We'll go back to it later. Yeah, this is just the summary. summary. This mm-hmm. is the loose summary. Um, so then they go on a mission to find their babies, as mm-hmm. one would, having children that are stolen. And they use the night howl, right? Twilight yeah, like bark. The- Twilight bark. Sure. Yeah. Twilight bark. Twilight bark. Dogs that bark outside mm-hmm. at yeah. night. They they send a message down. across. Dog, Twilight. Dog. Yep. Were dogdom. Yeah, dogdom. Um, mm-hmm. And Perdita was like, "Oh, that's just a gossip line." But he was like, "It's our only hope." So it's anyway. the only way we communicate with each other. Yeah. And then the gossip line's like, "Oh, this is juicy." Yeah. Like, yeah passing yeah. along. Well, I mean, really, it's horrifying. It's like their babies were kidnapped. Oh. Yeah. And they use, like, dog bark Morse code, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And they finally go all the way out. It's kind of fun watching all the different personalities, like, mm-hmm. you know, get the bark and then bark it on, bark it along. They also, like, do a callback to all the dogs you saw, Pongo kind of checking out for potential mates. You get yeah, cuts the of Afghan. them. Yeah, <laughs> the Afghan, the, uh, the pug. The pug. You get mm-hmm. shots of them oh, barking. Yeah. And they also have um, some of the dogs from... Lady, Lady and the Tramp. Tramp. We yep. saw every single dog yeah. from Lady and the Tramp. Which so, didn't notice when I was watching it as a kid. Oh, nope. yeah. Uh, so I don't here's, think I'd seen Lady and the Tramp. So here's yeah. the thing. Animators love Easter eggs and love mm-hmm. reusing and seeing where they can hide stuff. Um, yeah. Another, like, this isn't related. This is just kind of like touching on Easter eggs. They have all the Lady and the Tramp characters, but also, like, for instance, do you guys remember the Seven Dwarves uh, Dancing with Snow White? Mm-hmm. Yes. They, uh, there's an animator who used the exact same dance and animation sequence in Robin Hood for oh, Maid Marian. Yeah. If you compare the two, it's the same thing. Animators are just giant nerds yeah, who yeah, like I mean, to they hide also, like, things. Literally reuse the same bear like three times. Yep. Yeah. Blue. Mm-hmm. Blue's one. Um, yeah. You also see it in uh, a lot of Pixar films. They uh, like to do the, little... The room the, 1360 or whatever the heck it was. Well, or... they hide little things here or there. Like, you'll see the, the star ball in a mm-hmm. lot of things. Uh, 
You can also, if you rewatch, you'll see things from movies that haven't come out. Like Up had the bear from Toy Story 3, and that hadn't come out. It was in the kids' room. That's cute when they do that. Yeah, they have... Strawberry-scented... Pink bear? Yeah, 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 because they have things the that are... The murderer. <laughs> yeah, so they have things in production while the other things are finishing up, so they know where things are, and so they, like, hide them in, and then when you go back and rewatch something, you see that. It does make sense, because I think, wasn't Lydia and the Tramp also in London? Yes. I always thought it took place in America. I, I think it was more American, but yeah. I will actually talk it? about Yeah, those. I thought it was like a, those old Victorian... It was a Victorian, movie. yeah, yeah it, because something that makes... Dalmatians and Lady and Tramp stand out in Disney movies is a very contemporary movie versus a fairy tale. It's very right. modern and contemporary. Yeah, yeah, because they had the same with Aristocats. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Very uh, jazzy. I like the jazz cat. So we have the Twilight Bark. Twilight Bark, barking along. They finally reach the general, and the general is hilarious because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he is just a. a an old man who's trying his best, who's still living in the glory days. Mm-hmm. This old ass dog. Yep. He's a shaggy dog. He's a shaggy dog. He's a shaggy sheep dog. He's got two cohorts, which is a horse and a cat who is like the hero. The horse yeah. is called the captain. The captain. And the sergeant. And the cat is. is sergeant Tibbs. Sergeant Tibbs, yeah. Sergeant Tibbs. Yeah, Sergeant Tibbs. I love Sergeant Tibbs. He does most of the work. He yes. does most of the work in saving literally everyone. From the house. All 99 puppies. Nope, nope, nope. So, so Tibbs gets the puppies out of the house. They yeah, reunite they with their it. parents. It very touch and go. They reunite with the parents because they get the Twilight Bark back. Uh-huh. Um, and the house is like Castle DeVille or something like that. Um, the old DeVille place. The old DeVille place. Because it's for her old ancestral family home mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and oh uh horace and um jasper jasper are the two crooks who yep. they're fantastic characters i oh, really yeah. love them and i also love that horace is the smart one who sees he's like i think these dogs are up to something and mm-hmm. jasper's like you're a fucking idiot Slap. <laughs> there's no way the dogs disguise themselves yeah As right Labrador's by covering themselves instead <laughs> No, they did. Yep. No, they totally did. But anyway, uh, I, don't, I feel like we don't have to like go into much Parents. More detail. Yeah. They do rescue them, and them going through the the winter cold when they're mm-hmm. like marching all of the puppies back home. Oh, yeah, that that upset me. Yeah, that I was, was harsh. I was upset, even though it's a cartoon. I was just because I know it's happened to puppies before, just being utterly tired. Well, Dalmatians are not made for the cold. No. No, well, it's, it's like also, if Charlie was out in the cold, I would feel heartbroken. What's yeah. also interesting is you do see the passage of time because it's like fall weather because you got the stormy fall night and then it cuts to winter and then they mm-hmm. all come home for Christmas reunited yep. Dalmatian plantation in cut movie yep yep that is the summary of the, the film and now we get into the fun stuff yes so we talked about this was a book inspired um the book was written by oh god did I not write down the author I did not write down the author. Lying. You're a hack and a fraud. I am a hack and a fraud. Hang on, I'll just open up the Google. I wrote a summary. It is by uh, Dodie Smith. Old Dodie. Dodie Smith wrote the book and was inspired by a friend jokingly calling one of her. It said, oh, that dog would make a good coat. Now, in good nature, not mm, like. Yeah, no, he's like, I'm literally going to skin your dog right now. Yeah, it's not like Corella DeVille. Um, 
But that sparked the idea, and she named Pongo after her first Dalmatian she ever had named Pongo. Aww. Yeah. And the book is basically the movie, except the only slight changes is Pongo and Missy are the names of the two dogs. Mm -hmm. And they also had a nursemaid Dalmatian named Perdita, mm -hmm. who was helping them feed the dog, the, the puppies, because her puppies had been stolen. Mm -hmm. Oh, snap. And then, with the help of Perdita's mate, who I don't think is a Dalmatian, they all track down the puppies and bring them all home from Evil DeVille Manor. And so, technically, it's four adults and 97 puppies instead of the 99. And I understand why right. they simplified this. Yeah, yeah. Here's a plot twist, though. There's a sequel. And you guys are never going to guess what the sequel is oh, about. It's called Hell Hall. Hell Hall. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's very on the nose. <laughs> so the sequel takes a real hard sci-fi turn where aliens steal all the humans on the planet Earth. And then the, the dogs start forming a society separate from ours. Mm -hmm. But one of Pongo and Missy's grown puppies goes on a quest looking for their human. And they end up um, in debates with the aliens who are like, well, we can return everything back to the way it was or we can just take your humans and leave. And so all the dogs on the planet have a long debate about whether they should take their humans back or continue oh the God. society they're doing. But they all decide that they are man's best friend, so they need to take care and shepherd the humans. So they accept the humans back as man's best friend. And that's the sequels to 101 Dalmatians. Well, oh that gosh. are tens of thousands of years of domesticating and breeding them led them to saving us from alien abduction. Like I said, you'll never guess where this took. So I just wanted to yeah, throw that out because... Hell. Uh, that was a wild sequel. So that's the book sequel? That's the sequel. That's to, insane. It's called, like, I think it is called The Twilight Bark or something like that. That's really weird. Uh, yeah. Uh, the only reason I know about it is our, uh, my old friend Star was like, hey, did you know that the second book's about this? I'm like, no, you're lying. Because this is wild. But anyway, Disney the, read the first the Starlight book. Starlight Barking. Yes. So that author just wanted to write, like, two different kinds of books. Yeah, she's but, an interesting... Yeah, she's just like, I like dogs, I'm going to write about aliens. I'm going to write about dogs like, You know what, this book already has traction. I'll just write a sequel with this other topic that I want to write about. So Disney took an interest in the first book and was like, I can make a movie out of that. Not the second one. Not the second one. Um, but before we go into the making of Dalmatians, we first must talk about the movie who came before that. And... 1959 mm -hmm. there we go I found it 1959 a movie known as Sleeping Beauty came out it cost 100 mil uh, I'm sorry 100 million not 100 million <laughs> 6 million dollars to make but sadly its revenue in that two year period was only 5 million in box office it was a com it was considered a failure one of the first major hits to the company and the studio went from 551 employees down to 75 because of this loss. Wow. Now, during this time period, Walt Disney himself was opening theme parks, doing TV and live action. So he ended up having to leave the art direction, like leading the story to um, Bill Pete, mm -hmm. who was the storyboard man. And also he left the art direction to, um, hang on. Kent Anderson. So Kent Anderson was in charge of the overall art direction of the film, and Bill Pete was in charge of the storyboarding. So he 
laid out the shots. Right. Um, and it became a huge kind of friction within the company because so let me ex- so who knows how animation was made traditionally does anyone know hand drawn hand drawn yeah, then what thing. happens after you hand draw it i mean it gets pieced together meticulously so you have something called animation cells they're clear sheets of them so you yeah. take the hand-drawn sketch of animation and then you have an ink girl because by the way this was mostly a role this is one of the few roles women could have in the animation industries early on mm-hmm. they were called ink and paint girls right and they would meticulously in very detailed ink ink mm-hmm. over the things on the self sheet let it dry flip it over and then paint the thing right and that's where all the colors so the animation was drawn by men and then traced over by women and then that's the lines you saw on screen. All of that was very laborious, intensive, and mm-hmm. it took a long time because you had to let it dry. If you yeah. messed up a sheet, you had to restart. And also, if you think about Sleeping Beauty, all the lines had different colors for different, like the face had a different color. The hair had a different outline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff takes a lot of work and uh, detail. That is I feel the- like I saw that all the way up until, like, Aladdin. Like, actually, no. No. So no. They switched over from the so, Sleeping Beauty was the last film that actually had the traditional hand painted cells. Because mm-hmm. I remember seeing like a making of Bambi and how they were making the different. Yeah, Bambi movies. was yeah. one of the films, yeah. but mm-hmm. Aladdin was way after. Yeah, that's Aladdin. Like, I know Aladdin came out when I was a kid because I was obsessed with Jasmine. I had Jasmine pajamas and I was Jasmine. Yes, Aladdin came out later. Um, Aladdin actually, because what happened is the method, uh, so it's expensive to do that, $6 million. It's also very time-consuming. Very time-consuming. So, two years later, 101 Dalmatian comes out. They switch to a method known as the Xeroxing method, and I'll explain what this is. How much do you think it would cost 101 Dalmatians knowing that Sleeping Beauty costs $6 million? Uh, well, if they're using a million. Xerox method, then probably... They're not using the that. Xerox method yet, are they? they are, the, this is the first featured film with the Xerox method. Two million? 3.5 million. You were closer. $3.6 million to make this film. So as you can see, yeah. half the budget. So they're like, let's cut it down. Yes, they were trying to find ways. Yes. So what the Xerox method is, it was, it's, um, you take the hand-drawn animation... You put it into what is similar to a copy machine, yeah, a, and then it prints it onto the cell. It's literally a Xerox, right? It, kind of. It, it's also a Xerox in the 60s. So, for instance, um, does what anyone... But isn't that... Because Xerox, cause Z, Xerox so the, is a brand. It is a yeah, brand, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the Xeroxing method is a was the first one that used this. Uh, it, it is a copier. You're right. It's a copier. Yeah. But this is a copier... That took up three rooms. Right, right. I'm just saying, yeah. was it actually Xerox brand? That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. So I, my, I, my IT. So okay, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Okay, I can okay. actually explain that. Um, so does anyone know? Um, where are you? Where's my note? Sorry, I'm looking for a specific note. Sure. Okay, who knows of iWorks? Uh, Keith might know. There was a drunk history episode about it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> What's that called? The person's name is Ub Iwerks. It's a human being. Yeah, no. 
Okay, so Ub Iwerks was the main um, animator for Steamboat Willie. Him and Walt came up together um, back in the early days before Walt Disney became Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. Right. He also might be, there's discrimination about this, he might have been the one who actually created Mickey Mouse. Ooh. And Walt kind of was the businessman who was very savvy. They had a huge falling out during various points of their life. He eventually came back, but he refused to do animation because Walt would, like, kind of not necessarily steal his ideas, but pass a lot of stuff. as like, I did most of this work, and Ub's, like, me. staring at him like, what? Yeah. 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 And and uh, Xerox uh, was a company that started in 1906. Yes. So, yes. I, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue, continue. So, Ub <laughs> came back to Disney after a huge falling out. He refused to work in actual animation, but what he did was he created a really awesome developmental ways in order for them to do animation. Streamline animation. He was, he created the multi-plane camera, which allowed animators to push through scenes and layers before layering was a thing you could do digitally. Right. He, so it was these huge vertical cameras and you go down plane by plane in order to cut down foreground, zoom in like you would for a live action, but you would be using animation to do it. Right, right, right. Um, it, he also helped create the method that allowed Mary Poppins to marry live action and animation. He created right. that system in order for them to do that. He saw copiers being used in the offices, and he went, why can't we use that for an animation cell? So he worked and developed a machine that took up about the space of three rooms, yep. and they basically had a they'd have a lens that would take a picture and transfer the animation onto, uh, transfer the lines onto a plate. They would then dip that paint in toner and then print it out on cells. Mm -hmm. um, this cut costs immensely, but also... Uh, so it took up, so here's the thing. Anytime we have huge steps in innovation and technology, traditional means get lost. So you can have a debate over like what, um, the income, so the paint was still needed. So part of the paint department still saved, but the ink department became completely obsolete. So you no longer needed people to hand ink sheets you still need animators you still need someone to paint the cells because mm -hmm. the xeroxing process could only do black and white right and you were transferring lines so that got rid of the ink department so a lot of women lost their jobs right but it also one thing the animators liked which i can understand why they would like this it the first time in their their lines were actually what you saw on screen Right. Their animations are what you saw. It wasn't translated through another hand. Right. So that was very exciting to the animators. Mm -hmm. And it also cut down costs. Right. Okay. And so it's a mixed bag of it's a sad losing tradition, but also it gave a lot more freedom and allowed a lot more creativity because you could do certain things you couldn't do. Walt actually completely hated this method. Mm -hmm. He was very much a fan of the romantic fairy tale look with the very clean lines and the very like Yeah, because I was about to say, now that you mention it, I always I remember seeing movies like Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. Like Sketchy, right? Where the lines are very sketchy, like mm -hmm. it looks like they were just sketched out, and yeah. it actually became like a a genre of mm -hmm. art because of that. 
it, it became it's actually very well hailed in animation history because mm-hmm. this allowed a lot like jungle book jungle book it, yep. it allowed a lot of options and also this eventually led to um eventually xerox technology got so well you could do color lines it then fed into the digital programs that allowed you to do more of that closer to ink and paint so what you're talking about um uh beauty and the beast aladdin that was done digitally drawing yeah but yeah. that's why it looks they, like, smoother yeah i, I remember how with uh, Beauty and the Beast, they really, like, during the marketing campaign for Beauty and the Beast, for anyone who's ancient enough to remember that, like I am, mm-hmm. um, they really, really hyped up the fact that they used computer-generated animation to create the ballroom Room scene. Yeah, and they were just, like, made with computer technology, and it was like, just, they always mm-hmm. showed it on the beginning of your VHS tape when you're just trying yeah. to watch Winnie the Pooh. Yep. <laughs> you know? No, it, it, it was really cool. It was, I was like, oh, this is such a big deal. I'm like, four. Yeah. You know? I'm I know. like, wow, they use computer animation. <laughs> Do you guys remember Movie Surfers? Uh, that sounds familiar. It was a little short commercial in between Disney, like, shows and TVs, yeah. mm-hmm. and they would go to the behind-the-scenes and talk yeah. to them, and they do the digital stuff. As a kid, I always liked that stuff. That really, like, piqued my interest in, like... I remember, yep, I'm, I'm Googling it right yeah. now. I very much and remember this. They would do different things, like, uh, I think they did an episode on the Mulan, and they talked about how mm-hmm. the CG crowd scene of the, like, yeah. hunt coming over yes, the mountains. The hunt, yes. And without, yeah... yeah um, another interesting thing that was developed and actually probably led to the use of 3D models for vehicles. So the vehicles in 100 Mile Dalmatians, because we have the iconic, like... The, uh, the car chase scene. The car chase scene. Yeah. That was <laughs> not hand-drawn. <laughs> right. That wasn't hand-drawn. Okay. They created cardboard models of the vehicles and on all the edges painted very harsh black lines mm-hmm. and then use the Xerox method to take pictures and they would even film it so mm-hmm. they could then take the frame by frame and convert so that into Xerox. Like a stop motion kind of like a rotoscoping weird rotoscoping, kind of, yeah, it was yeah. early rotoscoping, but also it kind of led to the uh so modern day animation, no one really hands draws vehicles because it's all it's crazy to do. Mm-hmm. They do three D models and then if it's a two D they put a two D skin over it. This is just what they do. They were doing that back in 1961 with cardboard and such. Um, do you guys know the uh, the where Corella's uh, car gets stuck in the snowbank? Yes. Uh, do you notice how the snow kind of looks weird when she's trying to rev out of it? Uh, I don't know if I caught that detail. Um, it, if you look at it, if anyone like pauses the episode here, goes and checks that scene, it looks weird. As a kid, and even as a college kid, I always thought, oh, it's on a cell because um, there's a cell sheet versus the background sheet, and it always looks a little off because they it's like simpler, the art's different, so they can move yeah. it. It was actually how they created that with the um, cardboard model they were using. They had it buried in sand so they could tell oh, where the snow starts. So me. what you see, yeah, Kip is now showing Heath the scene. You see that? Yeah. How, how that's sand. Yeah. yeah, it moves like sand. It moves like sand because they were trying to imitate snow. And so, so they just... if anyone wants to look it up, it's called Cruella Car Stuck Yeah, on YouTube. It's very cool. Yeah. It's kind of the first motion capture. It's, the first, it, it's like not the first rotoscoping, but yeah, it, no. it's an early idea of how that 
it, then animators later on were like, well, we can just make 3D models and then we'll do that and then integrate it with 2D. It, it like, uh, 101 Dalmatians did all these really unique things. It was, mm-hmm. like I said, it was a modern story. It had a jazz blues soundtrack. Um, the uh, sound design was, uh, so the songs were written, and it also wasn't a musical. It was one of the, it's one of the few Disney movies during that time period that didn't have, like, a ton of music, which yeah, is funny. Yeah, it was funny. just the one song. <laughs> Two which songs. Was, oh. Oh, right, because the ending song, which I forgot The about. Dalmatian Plantation. Oh, right, that's, no one cares about that And song. then there's Canine Crunchies. Well, the bill. <laughs> yes. Wait, what was the other one? Canine Crunchies, the little ad. Oh, right, Canine Crunchies. That was written by one guy, all three of those songs, Mel Levin. Mm-hmm. He did the Cruella de Vil song, um... And he did actually two versions of Deville, the Corella Deville and mm-hmm. the Dalmatian Plantation. Why are they making commercials for dogs? That was just a spook. He did a, he, the Canine Crunchies was actually a joke thing he did, oh, yeah. and then they just liked it because yeah. he, he just did like a spoof it's on a commercial. Clearly, like, directed right at dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was a spoof. There are some commercials, real life commercials, that do genuinely try to inject things that get the attention of I get pet. that, but it's, like, yeah. fully just directed at dogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this people. one is fully, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and this movie is from the perspective of dogs. Yeah. yeah. This is not Roger and Anita's home. It is is Perdita and, and uh, Bongo's home. home yeah. Those are their pets, yeah. Yes. Um, even though they don't pay for anything. So, money. Mel but Levin... They take care of it. <laughs> so, he wrote... a. Dalmatian Plantation and Cruella early on and then while he was driving to the studio he was listening to jazz and blues and he's like I'm gonna rewrite the Cruella de Vil but in a jazzy blues theme right and then um the director Bill was like we need Dalmatian Plantation to be like more snappy happy like bumpy I literally can't even remember the song and I heard it a week ago um, like I can't. We'll have a Dalmatian plantation yeah. where all the kids can roam. It's the worst song ever. Something like that. <laughs> the most anyway. forgettable song on the planet. <laughs> I remember it. Um, I know. I, know. You, I remember it too. But I mean, compared to the Cruella Deville song, not it's the best song. But also, so those are the only like three songs, and most of the music is done by scoring. Um, George Bruins is the scorer of it, and he takes a lot of like the score of it's actually really thoughtfully put out because like if you watch it and just like watch the visuals and listen to it he does a lot of the timings of the notes so like in the intro where it's like 101 dalmatians as it pops it pops with the music right he has a um the the labrador scene where they're sneaking through the snow they have the creepy sinister like tension music playing but also the uh notes that with the water dripping, that beep, 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 it goes in line with the drips. Yeah. Right. And it, it really helps build the tension and suspense through the movie, and yeah. it's just very thoughtfully done. And yeah. without those two, like, it would be a different film without the more modern, jazzy music. And if we went, like, strings or, like, I was going to say That's piano, true. but there is piano. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it tries to be as contemporary as possible. Well, there's piano in it because... Uh, Roger. Roger's a pianist. He's a yes, pianist. yes. Yeah, he's a, I wasn't he's a jazz. Jazz. And, and piano. piano is in jazz. But didn't he play yeah. some sort of hand instrument too? He, oh yeah, there was one point he was flicking. Like he took a violin, he was like 
twinging plucking, it, yeah. plucking the violin, something like that. But yeah, mostly he plays the piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, it was different from the time period because it was focusing on a modern take. And you know that magazine you were talking about, where Pongo, that magazine is actually a. Um, we interrupt this program to bring you an important message from our sponsors. Well, not sponsors per se, but it is time to pay the vet bills. Pet Parents Pod now has a website, PetParentsPod.com, where you can go and learn about all the different ways to support the podcast. We also have a Patreon now. There's a link to that as well, as along with all of our socials, a Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. It's going to be Patreon.com slash PetParentsPod. Anything and everything can help. We would appreciate your support. PetParentsPod.com also lists that we are a BarkBox affiliate, so any special offers that we have, which will be effective during certain date ranges that are listed, are going to be on that page. There's a link to BarkBox under the Ways to Support page on the website. We also want to remind everyone that regardless of whether other special offers are going on, anytime you subscribe to BarkBox using the link BarkBox.com slash PetParentsPod, you can get free extra month of BarkBox for your subscription. If you enjoy our content, spread the word, tell your friends and family that are also animal lovers. Now back to your regularly scheduled episode. It's a magazine called Lilliput. And the reason they picked Lilliput, it's like, uh, uh, what's his face? That's the island that the giant landed on, or what the guy did, and then everyone was small. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, it is from Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> Gulliver's Travels, oh my gosh, but my brain. <laughs> what it actually was, was it a real-life magazine on the time period for graphic design and artists so it was modern day artists and the reason they picked it specifically is because it was the it was kind of a homage because it was a style the film was basing itself off of right and so art direction art direction was led by kent anderson he was a really great um do you guys remember ferdinand the bull Yes, I call Rosie Ferdinand the bull because that is what she is. She's just Kent, a lazy butt who sits there and smells flowers. She is Ferdinand. Continue. Kent Anderson was the art director for Ferdinand the Bull. He's a good movie. Um, uh, he did like very cool, colorful backgrounds, and everyone's like, "Oh God, Walt's gonna hate this." And he's like, and then Walt ended up loving it, and that's why he put him in charge of 101 Dalmatians. Oh, nice. And Kent. What he wanted was he wanted more abstract, modern um, art styles. So what they had is they had Walt Paragroy, who was a fine artist painting. So he did blocks of really big, like, this is a block of color, which kind of is in the shape of a couch. And this is, like, the wall. And he used a lot of abstract shapes to create the space. Mm-hmm. And then they had um, and they had uh, Ernie... Nodley, I think is how you pronounce his name, come in and fill out the line patterns for it. And so if you actually look at the backgrounds, the the colors are actually out of line because it was meant to be slightly off skew abstract in a way, because they right. were it was of the sixties. Yeah, that was kind of the that abstract that abstract, uh, kind of slightly messy. Yeah, that, that was a big thing back then. But because of the sketchiness of the animation, because of the slight messiness, but it's also very precise, is the way that art is. It, it is messy, but in a precision to it. Mm-hmm. Coloring out the lines on purpose. Um, Walt hated the film. And because of that, it actually drove a wedge between him and Kent. Like, it... Kent... 
became crushed because of how much Walt hated it. Oh, wow. And this weird, because one of the interviews, or one of the documentaries I watched to get some of this information, they uh, they have a filming of Kent talking about that, and he talked about how toward the end of Walt's life, like two weeks before he actually passed, Walt came and visited the studio, and they didn't really exchange words other than it was nice to see each other, but Kent says he shared a look with Walt, and he knew that he had been forgiven for what happened on this uh, on 101 Dalmatians, and I just find that very. I feel bad for it need to be forgiven. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel bad for this art director who really respected and loved his coworker and his boss, and he felt so crushed by such a thing because Walt was such a narrow-minded person. Like Walt's a terrible person. Right. Yeah, no, he's not great. Uh, he's not good. I'm not going to defend mm-hmm. Walt. I think stuff he did for the animation industry was important, but him mm-hmm. as a person, he was kind of horrible. But the and film that, does really well. The film is critically acclaimed. It's a, Do you want to know how much it made in profit, by the way? Yeah, he, like, saved the company, and he should not have felt bad about this movie at all. $103 million in its first year. Jesus! Compared to Sleeping Beauty, who... Okay, I'm not dipping on Sleeping Beauty. It's a beautiful, like, painterly film. film. But yeah, it, it, it did bomb. It bombed. The princess Regardless is of how really feel. No, no, no. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying... Personality. I'm... Okay, Sleeping Beauty, I'm not defending the storyline. I'm saying yeah. artistically yeah. is a gorgeous film. It is. It is. It's very beautiful, yeah. You also want to know something sneaky about the uh, Xeroxing method? Also, I like Sleeping Beauty a lot because um, Maleficent was my favorite. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's the best character so, in the movie. So, How out much? of question, did you guys really like the dragon scene? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know that was actually the first time Xerox scene was used nice. in live action? They nice. snuck it in, one, for cost savings, but two, they wanted to kind of see how it looked. Right. That's why it's really black and dark in those scenes, is so yeah. they could hide it. Right. And then they did a full case scenario of, most of you probably don't know this short. It is a short about a little elephant and his family, and it's called, um, where did I put the note? Goliath 2. And that's the first short they fully used on um, Xeroxing to prove that it could work as a fully animated feature. And so... Okay, uh, Kip is sniffing one of my cats, and I have now lost my train of thought. He's very happy about it. I'm so sorry. But that, that's what I'm saying. You deserve to be sniffed. Um, Kent Anderson, like, 101 Dalmatians saved Disney. It mm. saved Disney's whole entire yeah. studio. Like, if it weren't for this film, we may not have Disney as we know. Yeah, to be honest, when um, Sleeping Beauty bombed as much, because they were having the theme part and they were having TV, a lot of people were actually encouraging Walt to just dissolve the animation department. Oh, dang. His really brother, crazy when you yeah, back. his his brother, who was his business partner, was like, maybe we should just not do that anymore. It's so expensive and doesn't make us any money. Mm-hmm. So, like, and it would be so sad if that happened. Like, for instance, um, Corella DeVille was completely designed and singly animated by uh, Mark Davis, who 101 Dalmatians was actually his last film in animation he didn't die he just went he moved into the park and ride design like attractions for the theme park he just got a different job 
He didn't yeah. die. I didn't want to. <laughs> R.I.P. Mark but, Davis. But this was his last <laughs> film he animated on. He he single-handedly animated Cruella de Vil scenes. Jeez. If you look at it, you also, can see. she's phenomenal. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, if you look at all her scenes, especially toward the end, it's very sketchy, very rough. Also, she is probably the most evil person next to Frollo yes. in Disney. <laughs> oh, she is real evil, and they wanted yeah. her to be... She smokes. She's one of the first villains who smokes mm-hmm. a cigarette. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't have any redeeming qualities. No, she's not meant to have redeeming no. qualities. She's meant to be a cruel, evil she's person. She's a comically... Yeah, they call her Devil Woman, and like, oh, she looks like a Devil Woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. she lives in Hell Hall. I mean, in her car, it looks like a Devil Car. I don't know. Yeah. Just, uh, So I will say while um, going back to the Xerox process, just because it was a pivotal like shift in animation, uh, something that was created is something called cleanup artists. Mm -hmm. Oh, so okay. So here was the rule: they put out a memo at Disney. Your your lines, your animation has to be neat and clean, no construction. So if anyone doesn't know what construction is, um, to get a human head. You have to do a circle with a couple of lines to frame where the face is going to be on yeah. the oval. You also have an X so you know where your eyes are shifting. Yeah. There's a lot of under, like everything, if you look at There's the world a around you. skeleton structure underneath. Yeah. If you look at the world around you, the world around you is basically triangles, squares, and circles. Yes. If you can draw a triangle, a square, and a circle, I promise you, you can draw anything mm-hmm. it just takes practice and focus to try to learn what all those shapes are yeah i'm not saying you can draw them well but i promise you if you learn the basis of this you could draw anything yeah it literally takes practice it takes a ton of it practice takes so much practice repetition 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 graphic design for 10 years and i did make progress and then there's also something that clicks. Like I remember the 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 year perspective finally clicked for me, mm-hmm. and all my drawings stopped being a weird flat face, too long, too big, yeah. Yeah. too gangly, yeah. whatever. And I'm yeah, like, same for me. Yeah, it was in like 2003. I'm like, oh, this nice. is perspective. It was a very abrupt, yes, huge improvement. I can look at my old sketchbooks and you can see where perspective starts. Yeah. Or like, oh, these are good. They That's what they I'm missing. They look like they could be from someone who's not a middle schooler. Yeah, it's like I drew a thing that could be a real art. I drew <laughs> yeah. a real art. Yeah. I drew a real art. <laughs> um I missed drawing. So because of that, um we had so in uh cleanup artists mm-hmm. were not senior artists. These were junior artists who got this baby job. Baby artists. Think about a baby artist whose mm-hmm. job was, well, hey. Well, grunt work. Yeah, they are doing grunt work. But hey, you're working for Frank and Ollie and you gotta clean up their shit. Wipe their ass. <laughs> but also, some animators had real egos. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. Milk Cole, fabulous animator. Mm-hmm. He scared the crap out of assistants. He he got, because he was so actually good at animation and his position, mm-hmm. no one was allowed to touch his shit. Oh, wow. The clean, he's like, 
no one clean up my shit. There's construction lights. No one touch my shit. So you can actually see in the movie, if you watch stuff, like there's certain guidelines and construction work. That. Yeah. And it's because that was most likely animated by Milk Call, and he, like, basically scared the crap out of the cleanup assistant, which is not good. That's a toxic environment. Not good. Uh He was not following procedure. Mm -hmm. But I will say I do kind of understand that because the one thing I have a trouble, and it took me a long time to figure out what a style in using – Actually, a similar method to Xeroxing in digital painting is the closest I found to something because the more and more I clean up my style, I hate it. If I flatten and flatten and flatten and do mm. clean lines, I, I lose something from the style I actually you like. You lose from, the character. I always say yeah. you're losing character. I'm losing yeah. lines and sketches that mm. I don't fully understand how to translate. And there's some people who can do clean up lines. Like I have a friend, Mel has the greatest cleanup I've ever seen. Never seems to lose anything in the translation. I always love their cleanup. I don't know how she does it. It's amazing. Mm. Um, but, like, doing rougher uh, outlines, there's something called multiply, which is an effect in, like, Photoshop, where it takes your sketch and mm. then just darkens it. And yeah. then from there, I can erase, like, construction and then do color underneath. And that was the only way I found that I liked my cleanup lines. Nice. So... I really, I do understand milk because <laughs> it's like you take that line away, it looks like shit. But also, be nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another thing, Anita's design was completely reworked because Walt didn't like it, and Milk Call did it, and he most likely, this is based on the actress's surmise. Um, so the actress who plays Anita's voice actress, the yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Lisa Davis. And if you look at the shots uh, they took on production, Mm -hmm. she looks like Anita. Like there, she she talks about specifically. There's a photo of her like recording tea time, and has the sharpness of her chin. And it's something animators do. Um, they'll do the voice work, especially with with CG characters. I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, you're fine. I I know exactly what you're about to say because I see that all the time. Where you'll have a character play voice someone in mm-hmm. CG mm-hmm. and then you can see their face. I actually do that with Andy Serkis a lot when they pigeonhole him into these CG parts. Yeah. Like, it, it, Golem looks like Andy Serkis because that they sense. use his face yeah. to build Golem. And same with, uh, what, what are the other things that he's done? Like, look here, you you know, look that up and I'll... Okay. But, like, other characters as well. I'm like, oh, well, that's XYZ. Yeah. I can tell before they even speak because they're using their face. Because the process of animation is mm-hmm. you take us, you, you get, after you get the story and the script written, you have the voice actors do the lines, mm-hmm. and then that way you can animate to match the voice to the lines, but you also have the film most of the time, so you like add in qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting fact about this movie, um, so. Uh, yeah, she's the spitting image she of, is. of Anita. Yeah, the. They really did take Lisa Davis's face and just turned her straight into a character. Um, you can also see really excellent subtle animation, like for instance, um, Lucky stillborn. Lucky's stillborn puppy scene was animated by uh, Frank. 
mm-hmm. from the Frank and Ollie du- duo. And if you guys really don't know Frank and Ollie, look them up. They're adorable. They're best friend animators who came up in the scene. And they also were so close. They, like, bought houses right next to each other. They got married around the same Aww. time. They created this huge model train set together in their oh, yards. I want a best friend like they that. They are adorable. <laughs> they're sweet little old men. Like, they're there's, like, a documentary about them. And they did phenomenal animation. Um, mm-hmm. So Frank did Lucky Stillborn scene. It's such a short, small scene, but has yeah. a lot of emotion in it. Mm-hmm. And Ollie did the very subtle combined scene with Perdita under the stove, afraid. Yeah. And, like, you can't do a lot of movement in that scene, but it's very subtle, it's very nice, and even, like, the little lick of comfort at the end is, like, it is just perfect. Yeah, it's subtle, it's beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it, it conveys a lot of emotion. Another funny thing. So, get the dog barks. Do you guys think that was dogs? Uh, Some of them sounded real. Yeah, they did sound real. Although I know for Lady and the Tramp they used bros. So were any of them real? So all so according to IMDb's, um, Clarence Nash did the dog barks for all the dark barks in the movie. Mm-hmm. Does anyone know who Clarence Nash is? Apparently he's amazing at that because all of our dogs, or both of our dogs, are like watching it. Yeah, yeah they're like WTF. They're upset at the dog sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He. I don't know what the hell he he's is saying. A dog. But. So everyone does know <laughs> him. Very offensive. He is the voice actor for Donald Duck. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Donald Duck did mm-hmm. all the dog voices. Oh my god. And I love it. Yeah. Uh, How did he make all those dog sounds? He's so good He's at He's so good at voices. Such talent. Okay, and one last fun fact, and just kind of just be in awe of this, because I'm pretty in awe of this. Um, so, an average... So, for example, the average storyboard... So, storyboarding is the very first step in animation. Before you do any of the animation, we're wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Before we do... <laughs> <laughs> any animation you have to board it out and what that is is like you do the individual scenes kind of like a comic book because you don't mm-hmm. want to waste time on things you're not going to keep yep video games will do this too yeah, yeah it, it's kind a of storytelling yeah it's like bullet noting books, yeah. outlines things like that yep. so it was the so for a movie like Aladdin Lion King Beauty and the Beast they had a story team of about 15 artists working on different scenes and doing this this movie had one. Oh, wow. His name was Bill Pete. He was one of the main story heads. I've mentioned him before. Mm-hmm. And his, if you look at his storyboards and the shots, they didn't edit things that much. It was pretty much shot for shot. Mm-hmm. And another thing is he apparently got a note from the book's author that said that he had improved upon her story. Oh, wow. You don't get that very often. No. Because sometimes the author, like Wait. the author for Mary Poppins, yes, <laughs> very upset yes. about the whole thing. <laughs> so yeah, those were. I think that's pretty much everything I had. Love it. Yeah. Oh, oh, there. Oh, one last thing. Mm-hmm. There's a whole art department dedicated to the spots. Oh, just to the spots. Just to the spots. Their whole job was putting spots on the dogs. Oh, my goodness. So the puppy, so they had outlines of, like, how many spots were on each dog. Mm -hmm. The puppies had 32 spots. Pongo had 76 spots. Mm -hmm. And Perdita had uh, 69 spots. 
69 spots. And, yep. Like, there was, when they talked about doing this, like, someone at Warner Brothers was like, we can't get a script approved for a dog with a single spot because of the uh, cost it takes to, like, keep that spot in yeah, place. keep the spots going. And you're doing a whole movie on Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Too much. Give it to Too the spots. Too many slices. Yeah. And they had fun with it because if you look in the title sequence, they, like, put spots for the smoke. You have mm-hmm. it for the music notes. It's very nicely done. Yeah. They even have, like, the shot where they're all, like, just outlines and then they splatter the spots with paints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is a animation. Of course. So those are my fun facts and uh, a nice trip down the history of animation. I love it. Yeah. It's beautiful. So I need to talk about... Oh. Oh, right. Oh, the thing. thing, yes. Anita and Roger as pet owners. And I do know it was very uncommon to have dogs neutered in the 60s. It was the 60s. I know it was very uncommon, <laughs> but... Okay, why were they agreeing to keep these 15 puppies, all 15 of them, to have a total of 17 dogs, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to fix any of them, Mm -hmm. and they're going to be in the city. Well, think about how the plantation So the inbreeding, and that's before they have 101 total, (laughs) okay? So there's a lot of fucking problems there. Also, how were they going to afford them at that time? 17 dogs. I don't understand. Okay, well, how, he, how is that going to work? He made a really big sum off of the Corella DeVille song. He didn't have that song yet. They were praying. This is hoping. when they were keeping the puppies. They were, they were praying, praying and hoping. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all because they're in like this little townhouse in the city in London. Mm-hmm. They don't have a yard. So nope. There's something called... I'm sure it's illegal to actually have 17 dogs in a place like that. So Heath, I have to tell you about something. And I know it's a child's movie. No, it's just not that. I never thought about this when I was watching it as a kid. But just watching it as an adult, I'm like, I'm horrified by how many dogs they'd end up having and how inbred they would end up being very quickly. So there's a couple things. Puppies can start having puppies very young. So there's a couple things in film and storytelling. There's something called suspicion of disbelief. No, I can't do it. I can't do it because none of these dogs are fixed and then they have 101 on a Dalmatian plantation. I can't do it. At least there's genetic variety when there's 101 of them. There's also another thing called... 99 of them are not related to them, so Mm -hmm. that's good. So, okay. So there's this major thing in storytelling called plot holes and it's filled over Mm -hmm. by suspension of disbelief. Because they're actually terrible dog owners and I don't know why they're agreeing to keep all of them. And then there's another thing called plot armor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, sure. Where you're protected from the harsh realities but of the I world like by how, plots. I like yes. how Pongo and Perdita are just like, obviously our pets will just literally keep all of these puppies. They were right. I think. Because uh, their their humans are insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. They're fucking insane. Oh, yeah. And the, the nurse, the maid, the... Uh, the, oh yeah, the maid lady. Yeah. What was her name? I don't remember, but she was very sweet. She was very sweet. She was... Well, they don't pay her enough. Whatever they, they pay her, it's not it. enough. Yeah, oh, yeah, she was Missy, I think. They, they swapped it where, where Missy was the... Mrs. was the maid and... and I think her Virginia. name was Missy, I think. Okay. Yeah. In the, in the, the book, the it was... Missy. Mrs. According to Wikipedia, which is neither here nor there. According to the article I read with the summary... It was, it was supposed to be Missy? Yeah. Anyway. You know, there I are, could be there wrong. major problems with Wikipedia. Anyway, she was, I could she be was wrong a very too, sweet lady. Yes, and they don't pay her enough, and I'm horrified by the future of all these dogs. I think that part of the fun of watching 
a movie. Oh, no, as for, a child, I, Heath, I never worried about this. For Heath, I think part of the fun of watching a movie mm-hmm. is finding the plot holes and then being mad about them. And I respect that, and I love that about you, and I hope you never stop. <laughs> I kind of hope he lets it go at some point. But I didn't do this when I was watching it That's as a child. When you were a child, when you were yeah. a child you're just like, I didn't dogs. think about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It, I it love is, it. It is a fantastic no, You're correct. You're correct. Yes. So I'm what happened was uh, they... There's reasons that people don't Well, if you actually want to get puppies. into... Okay, if you want to get into storytelling usually... flaws mm-hmm. of 101 Dalmatians, what happened after 101 Dalmatians was um, the 101 Dalmatians TV show spinoff where they yep. saved puppies forever. Yep. And then there was also, I think, Patches adventure where he goes back to london to be a cool city dog i never He's immortal puppies yeah yes. and they stay puppies forever so Which that's also yeah they only stay puppies for like a year yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think that also if you're getting into the actual one of the other things that's wrong is they immortalize puppies and they don't talk about how puppies grow up and become older dogs and become a responsibility after they get cute and you still have to take care of them yeah. So you can go into that if you also want to get into the no, why things are well, wrong. Well, I was just talking about this movie because we're talking about this movie. Okay. Yeah. We don't need to go down a, a major <laughs> rabbit hole. Just, just We're just going to focus on these plot holes right here. But anyway. Because I, I, I get mad at plot holes, too. They're insane. Yeah. They're like, of course we're going to keep all 15 of I, our puppies. I of course we'll keep these 99 puppies. What else would we do? I, I think as they, reasonable humans as they, uh, get good homes. As these Labradors flood into our living room and cover everything and said, Oh God, it's my dog! Oh my God! I, I think, to Heath's point, there is something that bothers me about movies, and that is the perpetuation of toxic positivity. Yeah. Where you do have to rehome them. Yeah, in a movie mm-hmm. geared towards children mm-hmm. to set this expectation that they oh, need to later be, you know, have their hearts destroyed. Think of how many kids We're saw like, this movie and then their dog had puppies and they thought they could keep all the puppies and yeah. then they couldn't. And they were just like, this is how we can just do it. We And I don't understand why not because the movie is, uh-huh. is just unrealistically positive. Yeah, no, usually... And now you have a crying child yeah. on your hands. If your dog has puppies, <laughs> usually you get to, like, maybe keep one. Yeah. That, that's usually, from what I've observed, how it goes. That's how yeah. it happened in Heath's house. And I feel like that's a lot of people, yeah, each if one they... Of cupcakes litters. Yeah, that's usually what happens. One cat, one you you cat get one because you can't keep them all. Yeah. And also, rehoming them all is kind of a pain in the ass. You always end up with one anyway. Yeah. One that no one wants. That's, that's what, what happened with Heath. And I love yeah. them both. Even though your mom wanted to keep Sweet Boy. Yeah. You chose the wrong one. She held it over your head forever. She mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Poor Chica. That dang anxious, anxious dog. Oh my gosh. He's like, well, this one can't survive out in the world. It has I was to be like, mine. I don't, I don't know that people are going to choose this run. <laughs> she gets scared over everything. I don't know why. Yeah. Poor thing. Uh, yeah. Oh, little baby. So, uh, 101 Dalmatians saved Disney's animation, and without it, we wouldn't have films like Beauty and the Beast, we wouldn't have films like Aladdin, mm-hmm. it's paved the way for Xeroxing as a method, yep. Robin Hood. Princess and the Frog, love that one. Oh That's my goodness. not Xeroxing, but yes. It's one of my favorites, though. Yes, uh, it no, is good. I thought we were talking about without Disney, we no. would have. And I know. will say, Princess and the Frog was a great film because it was the first time they went back into 2D after, mm-hmm. like, 
after doing so many 3D, you know, and they're like, three, like, 2D is dead, and we're all like sad. Yeah, in the so we're like, now we get Rapunzel, which is excellent. Film. Rapunzel's great. I've One seen of my Rapunzel. Favorite. I can Tangled. Like, quote that. Tangled. Yeah. Yeah. I can quote Tangled. I've seen it so many yes. times in, during a depressive episode. It saved my life just watching it. Good movie. movie. Solid movie. Uh, all the other ones that I can't think of right now. Oh, uh, Frozen. Yeah, love, Frozen. Loves Frozen. love Frozen. Love Frozen 2. They're great. I love Frozen 2, and I'm going to stand by that. It has a I bit do. of a white savior complex. It does have a white savior complex. It does. You're correct. Even though technically the character is supposed to be part of the native species. Her mom is, but does it look? I mean, we have to talk about how Disney. Okay, we're not I don't want to say Disney's just great. I just don't want to. No, no, okay. So here, what uh, I'm wrapping this I up. I like Disney. Is great. They're okay. also a problem. Okay, so Walt Disney, horrible. They shouldn't be no, a monopoly. No, they shouldn't. They're too powerful. Yes. But I agree with that. this and one movie. Why the fuck aren't there, like, I don't know, How about more that? queers and more not white people? Well, the animators are trying. Oh, yeah, didn't they have a. Oh, I don't know. No, okay. I'm, I'm not like... blaming the artist. Okay, uh, the we're, not, we're not getting into all of this. I wanted to touch on it since you're praising <laughs> Disney. I'm trying to praise this one movie that saved... And then you praise Disney as a blanket, so I I, I said that. it gave well, us access to these films. I do want to also point out, if I may, Buzz Lightyear did have a gay couple in it. For like, for it wasn't it realistic, was. though, because it was supposedly the movie that Andy watched in the 90s. Oh, oh well, the, yeah, uh, yes, yeah, I know, suspend I know. disbelief, but they uh -huh. did have a gay couple. They did, who they that, then literally. killed off through old age. Yeah. Yeah, well, they were they, they existed, and they lived they a full, happy life. No, they did live a full, happy life, but oh, I just what? find it curious that they never invited Buzz over on one of the nights he was there to connect him to the time period and maybe keep him in the time period. But mm. sure, whatever. That's my big pothole with that movie. If you want but, to talk about again, potholes. potholes. What do we think? Since we're talking about Disney. Okay. If we may. Mm-hmm. We may not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. Okay. What do we think of the trailer that just was dropped about the live-action Little Mermaid? Well, I don't like the live-action films in general. I haven't, oh, well, I've, I've, I haven't actually I've watched the trailer. Them. I've seen the backlash, and I think the backlash is stupid. Backlash is what, stupid wait, for okay, what? Okay, hang on. What are they? the Little Mermaid is black, and She's people black. are upset. Oh! And people are like, mermaids because can't be racist. black. And I'm like, mermaids aren't real. Okay, that's always... Off. that's uh, like <laughs> She's... You guys gotta she watch looks her, like her she's, voice. She I'm looks sure like she's, she's good. Yeah, she, yeah, she does sing in the trailer, and yo, like, look straight up. They always get upset over a character yeah. being black. Uh, yeah. Like anytime they're like, "We decided to have diversity," and they're like, "My Little Mermaid's a white redhead." It's like, "Not my mermaid." It's like, like okay. no, 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 bitch. She still care. has red hair. You calm yeah. down. And yeah. also, it doesn't yeah, matter. Doesn't really it also doesn't matter. Yeah, it's Just, yeah. it's a whole separate thing. It's a whole, like, as much as I flack on live action, I don't flack on it because of that. I just think, I personally think as a creative, it is an unnecessary thing to just keep recycling the same stories when you have all these creative people who have their mm -hmm. own ideas, and then you're wasting the budget on a story that's already been told. Well, it is nice yeah. to put a not-white person. It is nice to put a not-white person. Yeah. It is nice to put other people's, like, changing ethnicity. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Right. Go But... Do we have to have the Disney princesses all over again? And the fact that I've talked to kids who are much younger than me and they're like talking about, I'm talking about like Beauty and the Beast and they're like, I love Emma Watson. I'm like, that's not Beauty and the 
But it is Beauty and the Beast, but that is not oh, the Beauty boy, and the yeah. Beast. Yeah. It is a generation that Watch their their the versions of the Disney princesses are the live action. And maybe that's just me being an old person and feeling old. It also it is I mean, crushing. It is crushing. I don't feel so crushed because these films still exist and it's up to the parents. No, no. But I will, I'm going to defend the live action films in this one way. They do attempt to to correct the social yes, 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 yes. Emma Watson plays Belle as a more feminist Belle. Yes, And it's Emma Watson. No, and and like, I am not harshing any of the actors they choose to do this. I just wonder what stories those writers and directors would have chosen to told with the same budget. Yeah, that's I, my I, the question. New stories. The new stories, yeah, the, the new points of view. New, yeah, I do get the corrections though. But yeah. I, the yeah, corrections yeah, yeah. are fine. Yes, the corrections are fine. Yeah, that's I, my only defense of them. And also, I just generally like them as well. I, yes, I, but I'm that's also fine. a very easy go. I'm easily entertained. I, <laughs> by I am, all things. Look, I love it all. <laughs> I know I'm a broken human. I will yep, sit there busted. and go. Lo- Action, stupid action movies are the best thing. Don't change, don't edit, and then I'll pick apart a child's movie to death. Yeah. I know I am broken. But you're, you're, you're an animation nerd, though. I am. You're, I, you're a movie nerd, but you're specifically an animation nerd. Yes. And also, but specific. look, everyone has broken tastes. My tastes are broken in a specific way. Oh, yeah, mine are super broken because like I love garbage. everything. I love garbage. Garbage Give is me, really good, mm, though. Really so something I will say. I love tossing, tossing. She likes trash movies, like well, actual. We've talked about this movie. anyway. What is it? Core. The core. The core. I was about to say, you guys want to watch a surprisingly good end of the world movie? Uh, I think it's. Uh, this isn't about Hunter. No, that we've is, we're, we're gone off track. way out. You know what? Let's go. <laughs> Moon Moonfall. Moonfall. It is. Recently added to HBO, it oh, was a HBO. 2022 movie. I didn't actually expect that much. The main reason I was I wanted to see them take Majora's Mask's um, concept and mm. do it in a disaster film and see what they did. That's Moonfall, huh? It did. Oh, hey, it's got that one guy. Yeah. Samuel Tarly. Yeah. Yeah. It, solid. Real solid. It actually has a twist that I did not see coming. All right, don't. It's good. Zip. Just watch. Zip it. It's good. It's also made by the creator of Independence Day and Day okay. After Tomorrow. So very solid pedigree. It's a good pedigree. Day After Tomorrow was my favorite disaster film. It's a very good one. Saw it in theaters, and I sat in the back row. And this is my teenage dirtbag story, mm-hmm. where I was the only person in the theater. It was like me and a couple of friends. And by the end of it, we were literally standing on the seats, screaming at the screen. And that's my teenage dirtbag story, because we were being assholes in the theater. But it was so suspenseful. I love Day After Tomorrow is real good. Independence Day is real good. It does a twist real good. I like Mm -hmm. it. You guys should watch it. Heath, I actually think you might not completely hate it. And that is the highest. That is the highest recommendation (laughs) I can give. You might not completely hate it. You might not completely hate it. I don't make you. I'm not making you watch Greenland. You would hate that. Wait, which one did you recommend to Heath that he might not? Was that Moonfall? Moonfall. I want to watch Moonfall. Okay. And then I by myself uh-huh. with no commentary. That's fine. I don't Love do commentary. <laughs> this is why I watched <laughs> my mom. I know yeah, your no. mom broke you. I, my mom did the same thing. My mom's really bad. 
I, I essentially watch worse. things on my own yeah, before I'm sorry. I watch them with Heath. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. Keep talking. She's my, worse than I am. No, I keep I totally talking. My mom was on the other side of the spectrum where she's a fan of MST3K. Mm-hmm. So she'll watch a film and then crack jokes the entire time. Mm. And it is insufferable. She doesn't do it anymore. And we don't really watch new movies together. Maybe I just. You know, but then I got into the habit of doing that, and it took good an eternity to break myself. You know, I just realized, jokes. guys, I think I just realized why I don't really talk through movies. So when my mom was planning to take us to theaters, we'd do pra- family theater time. Did we unlock a core memory of yours? We no, were, you talked about this we, before, we were, you know, I've talked to Heath about this. Mm-hmm. It was practice. So mm-hmm. we had particular seats in the living room we had to stay in for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And we had to not talk through them. Mm-hmm. As to practice. To go wow. to the theater. So I was trained to go to the theater. And I have a very, like, here's the thing. It did not go perfectly. Mom would pause it. We were, we were. training is. It's yeah. never going to be perfect. They're also so kids. Perfect. Yeah. But we yeah. were. And I also think part of it was mom trying to get a quiet, like, couple hours to not have to deal with the kids, like, fighting. So we we had to stay in our certain seats, and we had to watch the movie in silence. Right, right, right. So maybe I was just, I was, this is, yeah. everything was building for me to be a cinema nerd. Exactly. Goodness. My parents made me into what I am. Our parents have our parents have very correctly molded us into the exact. If you guys met my mom, you guys met my yeah, mom. Yeah, very way. correctly. My well, mom talks through movies. And no, you, his, well, his mom is saying, flawed. Like, it's, and I, it's, yeah. we are we are mirrors of them. Uh-huh. Like if you guys meet my mom, we are basically the same person. <laughs> I've at least gotten over the fact that I want to stab his mom when I show her films that I know she will like and I love, and I'm like, beat you, bring your you shut up. This is a quiet part. You have to be quiet and feel the music so you can build into the... Now you're just... Feel the emotions. Stop talking and everything that comes into your head. Me and Rue just had the laziest fat man struggle. Okay, we're, we're going long and we're not off All the... Right. 100 Mile Dalmatians. Check it out. Good movie. Um, There's going to also be a YouTube link in, the, uh, in our sources. It's behind the making of. Real cool. It's a lot of the information I told you, but from people who are historians and... Pete Doctor and Brad Bird as babies. These are like really young versions of them, and those are Pixar directors who most people might know. Maybe I like Pete Doctor and Brad Bird. They're cool. They did Incredibles and Monsters Inc. Okay. So you can find us on petparentspod.com. Tell your friends and family who like animals about us. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord, PetParentsPod. You can also email us, petparentspod at gmail.com. As always, we will continue to get better. And love your dogs, everybody. Bye. Pet Parents Pod.